Well, good morning, friends, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to miss that video, right? Because I feel like those are the people that I run into every single day of my life, right? Those hashtag difficult people. Well, hey, welcome to Radio Live. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor, and we are closing up this series together with this week and a look at, a, I think, a tougher topic for us that are what I would call on the inside, those of us who follow Jesus. But before we jump in, I want to give us a quick update on our Come Alive project and our building projects, because we are, we're coming down to almost, the end is like really close. It's like in, within reach now. And just a little bit of a, a time frame for you, it just went out. Last week, and I said, you know what? You will not waver from this time timeline. And here's what it looks like: the next couple weeks, uh, the painter comes in, paints the ceilings, paints the walls. Uh, it's going to be a great time for him. On top of that, new hardware comes in and finishes up all the new doors. And these doors get, excuse me, brand new hardware. On top of that, in the next four weeks, the carpet comes in, and so uh, we get carpet, new carpet. Down in the inner lobby, the new lobby, even into the gym gets recarpeted in this phase. It goes down the hall. We've done a number on that gym carpet since we've started using that as a lobby. That gets the new carpet as well. And so that all gets done. The tile work gets done in our cafe. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a change maker that work in our cafe, listen to this. We are going to have training that come. Paul from Five Lakes will be here to help us train on new espresso machines and what it looks like to make some espresso. And I'm about ready to get a shot of espresso, everyone. Let my eyes go, whoa! All right. It's going to be fun. So if you're a cafe worker, just watch out for your email in the next couple weeks. You're going to get a, a little email to say, hey, here's the training event. This is when Five Lakes can get here and train us on some things. And that's going to be taking all the cabinets are going to come in in the next four weeks. And uh, turnover. What turnover means is that's the official, like, here's the key. The building's yours is going to happen at the end of March. The playground equipment for our kids is coming on April 1st, which is not an April Fool's joke. It really is coming from Canada on April 1. They will be here to install it because we had to get the rubber flooring in first before they install because we don't want kids hitting their head on concrete, Uh, although some parents. (laughs) Um. Anyways... So we're sitting there going, okay, when should we do this grand opening, right? If, if, if we're about like five weeks away from having the key in our hand, uh, when, when should we do the grand opening? When, when should we do that? And then we look at the calendar and realize there's, there's our Super Bowl of our faith is Easter. And we're like, hey, what happens? Easter grand opening, Sunday, April 12th. Not only are we partying, the reason why we have faith, because the tomb's empty. Not only partying because we're doing baptisms, but we're partying because thank the Lord, the Lord has blessed us and we got a new facility, parts of the new facility are here and we're going to celebrate it and there's going to be awesome stuff. I'm not going to spoil everything. And I realize this lands on spring break. It's the last Sunday of spring break. We're still partying, Jesus. All right, the calendar's not going to dictate. Yeah, I know, realize, God bless you for those of you that are going to go on your trip to spring break. That's awesome. I'm jealous for you. Uh, maybe perhaps come on back on Saturday, not Sunday. Don't, don't miss Easter. I don't know if many of us are even aware that Easter lands on spring break. It's that last Sunday. So uh, go on that. Here we go. Anyways, there it is, all right? So we're about five weeks, big grand opening. And you guys are troopers. I was just, I was praying over this past week. I, I always pray for you all on, front, on Thursdays, and I was in here, and I just started to walk out there, and I was like, man, this, felt, this has felt like an extremely long project. 
And uh, we don't, many of us, we don't get construction in their schedule and things happen. And if one person gets de- delayed, then the next person gets delayed and they can't move on and all that good stuff. I mean, the Lord is teaching me patience and I didn't want to be taught that, but that's all right. God had other plans. And so what's cool is I was like, this, this church, you guys have been troopers, you know, we've got two different entrances points coming on. Some of you have to walk the golden wood bridge, you know, all the way to that door. And we got that one going on. The parking's confusing. Thank God the construction fence is down over there. At least now, just don't drive too close to the new facility. You may get a screw in your tire, just saying. So give yourself a little bit of space there at the front end before they clean that up. But you guys have been awesome, right? The carpet got torn up really early, sooner than I had maybe expected it in my mind. But you guys have trooped through it, and we're almost to the end together, which is awesome. So, hey, I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick, say, you're awesome. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're okay. No. You're awesome, too, even though they said you're Okay. Well, just listening to the pastor. All right, here we go. Hey, today we're going to wrap up our series, and um, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I want to be frank with you. For uh, when am I not frank? All right, uh, in this moment, this—if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is going to hit home. It's going to be about you. So if this morning you do not follow Jesus, you've been kicking the tires, man, sit back and try to understand what we are trying to do as followers of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you got to buckle up because here's, the, here's what we're talking about this morning, hypocritical people. We're talking about those who just drive us crazy, but we're going to, I'm just so passionate about this here. I want to know how many of you, you think you know a hypocrite? It's all right. Just honestly, I think I know someone. All right. How many of you are sitting next to that hypocrite? No. All right. Brave souls, some of you. Number one complaint from those outside the walls of the church, the non-Christians, the de-churched, the lost, is Christians, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And perhaps some of you come in with that attitude, with that mindset that we are a bunch of hypocrites. I got a few words for you. Number one, I'm sorry that anyone has ever painted the picture that the church is perfect, because we're not. We're messy, we're sinners, we need God's grace. But every moment of every day, I try, and I hope other believers and followers of Jesus do, say, God, chisel away anything that does not look like your son. Chisel it out. Chisel it out. We make mistakes. We yell at our spouse when we're not supposed to yell at our spouse. We let a word slip up that is unholy and not uplifting. We may even do other things that just is not right. We live in a broken, fallen world. So if that's you that looks out on the church, say they're a bunch of hypocrites, you're right. Because sometimes what we talk about, we don't always walk it. And we're sorry. But I want you to know, never give up on God who is perfect even though we're not perfect. And so you, followers of Jesus, are you a hypocrite? It's the number one thing Jesus went after. Not the lost, not the broken, not the hurting. He went after the religious people. Number one thing, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Here's the word that Jesus used most famously in the Greek word. It's this word hypocrite, but here's the word. It means hypocrites. Let me hear you say hypocrites. 
Hypocrites means it's a stage actor, one who hides behind a mask. In other words, it's you portray something on the outside that everyone sees, but when you take it off or whatever, you're actually something completely different inward. You are not walking your talk. You are masked over. Something's going on. You may look right in the church, but other people's knows know who you are outside these walls Monday through Saturday. And you're not walking it. Here's what Jesus says to Matthew in the New Testament. Remember, Matthew was the chief tax collector. As you were good Jews, you hated this guy. He ripped you off in your money. Not only did you that, he's the chief. He's, he's in charge of all the guys that were ripping you off. You couldn't stand him. But Jesus went up to him and said, hey, Matthew, you follow me. Matthew leaves everything behind, and good Jews would have sat there and said, oh, a sinner to follow you? She says, yeah, and we have the book of Matthew. Matthew records this. Here's what Jesus says about hypocrisy. He reads it this way. Outwardly, you look like righteous people. Y'all look like a bunch of good church folks. But inwardly, your hearts are filled with what, friends? Hypocrisy. And lawlessness. So how do we deal with those people? How do we deal with the hypocrites that are inside the four walls? For some of us, you've got that life group. You're in a life group. And that one life group person, they're doing all the right things. They're saying the right things. They're eating your guacamole and your salsa. They love that. And they even volunteer to pray at the end of group. But deep down, man, you know what they're doing? They're having an affair on their spouse. Or maybe for some of you, it's not just that, but it's your Christian boss who says, yeah, I'm a believer, and promotes it, says it all the time. Maybe he's got his favorite little Bible verse on a little coffee mug or something in his office or her office, but treats all the employees like junk. Or perhaps you have that friend or that classmate that's saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but all they do is gossip about other Christians. That's not Jesus like, we get it wrong sometimes. So how do we respond? And I'm going to have two conversations with us today. Conversation number one is we have to understand there's three types of groups that maybe perhaps the outsiders or us insiders kind of lump together as, as hypocrites, and they're not. But when we get to the real group that is a hypocrite, how do we love them? How do we, how do we correct them? Do we not? Do we judge them? Do we condemn them? What do we do? And so here is the first conversation. We have to understand this. Why are they acting like that? Why? Like, and not just like, well, oh, because they're an idiot. No. Oh, they're just in sin, perhaps. But why are they doing that? It's because it's driving us nuts. Why? Because we have to answer this question in order to answer this. Because the why they are helps determine what we do. When you understand why they are doing that, it will help determine what are your next steps. And so there's three groups of people this morning I want to talk about really briefly. Group number one. Remember, we're trying to go know the why so we know what to do. Here's group number one. Maybe these group of people, maybe they really don't know Jesus. Maybe they really don't know Jesus. In fact, here's what First John says. John, the youngest disciple of Jesus, the one whom Jesus loves, says this. Whoever says, I know God, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a what, friends? He's a liar. And guess what? The truth's not in that person. 
maybe perhaps they don't really know God. There are Christians who come to church who have been sitting in benches and pews and chairs for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, but listen, has never been transformed by Jesus Christ and is not living under the power of the Holy Spirit. There are those people. Just because they are here in these four walls, first and foremost, does not make them a believer. And here at Radiant Life, listen, you will always have a place to belong before you believe. Always. Because I truly believe the more you belong and feel comfortable and open up to things, you'll eventually believe. You have a place to come. So Jesus says, I think some of the most critical words of Jesus when he says, listen, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There's some of us who've been worshiping and we've been doing the Sunday school thing back in the Sunday school days and we're in a live group, we're serving, we're trying to worship, but you don't really know Jesus You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you, to take a hold of you. This group of people, listen here, they aren't hypocrites because they're not believers. But to the world, those on the outside, they look and say, well, you go to church. You must be a believer. Nope. So we're not talking about that group of people. They just don't know. Here's the other group of people. Maybe, perhaps, they don't know better yet. They just, maybe they're new in their faith. They haven't been taught their faith yet. I had a a friend of mine who uh, became a Christian, kind of was into the drug scene a little bit, uh, became a Christian. And when when this person became a Christian, he was like, I love marijuana. And then he's over here reading the Bible, but I love Jesus. And he truly had a heart trans. He didn't know yet. He's He's a baby in Christ. He doesn't know yet. And I'm not making a marijuana statement or anything like that. That's another discussion. But it's a battle of the drug addiction versus I love this Jesus and I think I ought to change. I don't know where or how. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I could not address you as people who live by the what, friends? The Spirit. Not as mature. I can't address you like you're a mature people. But as people who still are worldly Mere infants or childs or babies in Jesus. So I have to treat you like that. I often use the word, they just haven't been discipled yet. They love Jesus. They're there, but they haven't been discipled yet to get to become a mature believer in Jesus Christ. We want them there. They're just not there yet because they don't know. Better yet, the Holy Spirit's working on one thing at a time, sometimes a lot of things at a time. And now this group, are they hypocrites? No, they don't know yet. They don't know what this group of people need. This person doesn't need correcting, they need instructing. And so insiders, those of us who proclaim, maybe perhaps you have the lenses, this is a very tough group for you. Because they're baby infants. They're over here in their relationship with Jesus. And you're mature and you're over there. And you want them to move from here to here like that. And be where you are. That isn't always the case. Sometimes they're here. One step. We're celebrating. We're instructing. 
big step in their life. Yeah, praise God, right? Man, woo, you're growing. Baby step, woo, praise God, you're working it. You're working it. But this is the group of people we get frustrated because they're like, why aren't you moving at the rate that I'm growing? Are they hypocrites? No, they, they, they don't need correcting. They need instruction. They literally, they just don't know better yet. That's this group. Is this making sense, friends? All right, one more time. Is this making sense? There we go. There we go. They're babes in Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, they're just a babe. Wait, be careful who you say that to. Men, turn to your wife right now and say, you're a babe. There you go. That's better. Here we go. Number three, here's the other group of people. This is where we want to hone in. Maybe, maybe they do know better, but they still disobey. This is the third group. This is the group that are hypocrites. They know God. They worship. But man, they're just choosing, you know what, God? I don't care. Or maybe I'm caught up in a sin. I don't know. But you know what? I'm just going to, I'm disobeying, but I, I love you. And these are the group of people that Peter, I love poor Peter. Let's go back to uh, Galatians, actually. Galatians reads this way. No, no, I'm sorry. Peter says this. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. Do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. This is the group that slips into hypocrisy, right? They, they use the words, well, God will he'll forgive me anyways, you know, why, why can't I just do this or that and do this? These are people who are still addicted to porn, perhaps, right? I'm not hurting anyone. No one knows. I'm not hurting anyone. My wife or spouse, they're not meeting my needs. Perhaps this group of people is, uh, they're maybe a little more materialistic, right? They spend their money on me, myself, and I, and I just like nice things. That's what I like. And it's like, I like nice things too, but I have to look at scripture and what Jesus says, and he gives more so I can give away and be a blessing to others. It's not just for our consumption, it's to bring God's kingdom here on earth. Perhaps that's that group, or, you know, I don't have a problem with fill in the blank, right? And they'll say, well, you're not perfect, and neither am I, right? God's full of love and grace, which is true, but it doesn't give us an excuse to use our freedom to do evil. And that's the hypocrisy. And so what we want to do is, how do we help these people? What do we do? Do we confront these people? Uh, these are people, again, that are inside the walls that we claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Are What do we do? Just let them run like wild hoodlums? And be like, eh, God will deal with them. Or do we have a responsibility to step in and help them? And so I'm going to give us three as we close this series out. Three things. Because if, if we get this wrong, we will cause more hurt then good. And we have to get this, because guess what? There's hypocrites. There's hypocrites in this wall right now. There's hypocrites in every church in America. And that's what we want to move towards, is not becoming that. So number one, these are actually three prayers for you to pray. Number one, God, help me to confront with a heart to what, friends? Restore. Your heart matters with your approach. Your heart matters. The, the, region, the church is in Galatia. Galatians 6.1, right? Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. There's so many churches in this region of Galatia, and he's reminding those believers, those Christians, hey, 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 be on watch for this. And he says this, brothers and sisters, 
In other words, again, that's the insider language. Those who claim to follow Jesus. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the, what's the word again? Come on. Some of us need to start living by the spirit a little more. That was amen, but that's all right. We'll move on. That's tweet. That, that one is, I got a couple good ones coming up. That's tweetable, just so you know. All right. It's all right. We'll go on. We'll miss it. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. How, friends? Gently. Why do we ever confront a brother and sister in Christ? It's to restore them. Gently. I love what the the NLT, the New Living Translation, puts it this way. I love this idea. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. The idea of restoring someone is to get them back right and made whole again. And that's what we do. We confront with a heart to make them whole again. Mr. Carey, will you please stand up where you are? I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm sorry. This is not planned. Mr. Carey, okay, this is a fake story, okay? So don't put this story on him. All right, let's say Mr. Carey, he loves Jesus. And, uh, okay, stop shaking your head, all right? (laughs) Controlling and manipulating, all right? You're here. Jeff's there. I find out my brother is just doing something that's not right. And I'm his friend. What am I, what's my job? To restore him gently and humbly with a heart to restore. So I am to come to him and say, hey, this path isn't the right. Can I hold your hand? That's weird this way. <laughs> Do we interlock fingers or? Okay. It's getting awkward. I'm getting hot right now. So, hey, miss, that way's not the right way. And what, what I got to do is, is, hey, see this way? You're a believer in Jesus. This is the way, not that way. Notice I have my hand still uncomfortably in his. I don't let go. I say, I'm going to help you walk this walk. Let's walk. And help you walk and understand that this is the right path to go. Why? You can let go. Because I care enough for you and I care about your heart. I'm here to restore you. Not to beat you up. What these people need, you got to realize you're not the judge, you're the guide. God's the judge. We're not called to judge our brother and sisters in this way. Or that way, we're called to correct them and guide them with a heart of restoration to get them back on the right path. And that's what too many churches, too many times, just want to come down and get the gavel. No wonder why people walk away and think God is an angry God. Your God is a God of love and grace. Yes, he wants you to live holy lives, and it kills him when we're not. It hurts, right? Any parent knows, you can have a seat, thanks. Any parent knows when your kid rebels, it hurts you. You don't like it. No, you're weird, buddy. No. (laughs) Right? Get this. As we walk with Jesus and as we see brothers and sisters just fumbling around in life, your goal is not to be right. It's to help them be right with God. That is what you're called to do. 
And sometimes that means I have to walk through hell with you to get you back where God needs you to get because I love you enough to do it. And sometimes that hurts. And it's rough, but that's what Jesus is telling us to do, friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't sit there and judge them. Guide them. You're a tour guide. Get my brother and sister, get my child back on the right path. Get them back with a heart to restore, not to be right, but a heart to restore them back to me. So our prayer together, number one. Let's read this out together. Are you ready, friends? God, help me to confront with a heart to restore. That's the first prayer. Here's the second prayer. God, help me to confront carefully. Carefully. Galatians 6.1, we're going to read the rest of that verse, but here it is again. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, brothers and sisters, insider focus. If someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Then the verse goes on. But... Watch yourselves, or you may also be what, friends? Be tempted. What I realize is that you are most vulnerable when you're trying to correct someone. That's when you're most vulnerable. Because if you try to, with the lenses of guiding, and you're like, ha ha, I'm not as bad as you, pride creeps in. And we know pride goes before the fall. That's not, that's why Paul, always oh, so clear. Church, watch yourselves. When, man, when you're restoring that person gently, watch yourself, you may be tempted too. So here's what, how do we confront them with a heart to restore? Jesus and Matt, just jot this down because we're not going to unpack the whole verse. But Matthew 18, just jot that down if you're a note taker. Matthew 18, Jesus teaches us how to do this. And he begins Matthew 18 by saying, if your brother or sister... So again, it's insider focus. It is not those that are outside the wall who are not Christians. This is not confronting non-Christians. Let me be clear. This is not confronting non-Christians. We are not asking non-Christians to live by Christian standards. They're not there. Paul is super clear. Jot this down. 1 Corinthians 5.12. He clearly says, it is not I to judge those on the outside. It's not my role. They don't understand faith. They don't understand Jesus. How can I take my faith and standards and throw it down a person's life when they don't even know what they're doing? You live for your standards. You live for your faith. You show them the way. But our goal isn't to change non-Christians' behaviors. It's to introduce them to the one who will change their behavior. Woo, that one's tweetable too. And Facebook-worthy and Insta-face-worthy. Come on. Our goal is not to change their behavior. It's to introduce to the one who will. That is why one of our number one things that we say that our four guidance steps to walk someone is number one, have them experience Jesus. Man, that's why we invite friends and non-friends. We have them for them to experience Jesus. So here, quickly, Matthew 18, I'm going to give you the four quick summary steps, and you can read it more. How do we confront with a heart to restore? How do we do it gently? Number one, go to them directly. Go to them directly. Stay off, I have to say this, stay off of Twitter, stay off of Facebook, stay off of that your one friend posts certain comments and you jump on that bandwagon and beat them up. Husbands and wives, please never go to Facebook with your business. Listen, 
That's your kid's mom and dad you're blasting on Facebook. Don't do it. If you're looking for self-pity, um, I don't know. Because <laughs> a lot of times I go to Facebook to get comments to make sure that other people feel my pain as well. That's not the correct way to do it. Stay off that stuff. Don't go. Go to them directly. That's what Jesus says. This is Jesus' model. Number two, if you've gone to them directly and they still don't change, a follower of Jesus still doesn't change, you bring in support. Bring in a friend that also knows that person, that knows the whole story. Bring them. Now we got two going to them. Not to beat them, not to be right, but to have a heart to restore them, to make them whole again, and get them back on the right track, carefully, gently, get them back. If that doesn't work, and they still have chosen to not listen to you or your support system that you brought in, you elevate it to leadership. Bring it to the church, bring it to us if you don't mind. Of also, hey, how do I do this? If you're in a life group, bring it to your life group leader or whatever. Bring it to a believer, though, that is in some type of position. And here's the last one. You got to start, maybe perhaps, if that still doesn't work, redefine the relationship. Redefine it. Can I tell you, this is not easy, but this is what Jesus is telling us to do. personal example. Probably this past fall, a very good friend chose to walk down another path. I approached this individual. I prayed God help me to speak truth, but with grace at the same time. And they chose not to listen. So I brought in another pastor that's also friends with this person. And uh, before we went to this person's house, we we're in my driveway and just prayed, Holy Spirit, just be present. And we pray for this person that you would now work on their life and their heart before we get to have a conversation. We show up at the door and uh, they're shocked, obviously. It's like, oh my gosh, there's two pastors here, right? Uh, but we were, we were friends as well. And uh, we prayed and Pastor Brandon actually read some of those verses about restoring gently. And that's what we're here to do because we care about you. And that didn't work either. This person still chose a different path. And it boiled down to we just had to redefine the relationship. I used to get text messages and phone calls almost every day from this person for the last, since probably November. I haven't received anything. That hurts. I want to tell you, I will always be here for that person. I will. Because I want to come in with a heart of restoration. I saw what God could do in this person's life, and the devil right now is just winning. I'll be here. But it's tough to have to redefine. When I see this person, here's what this person does. And to receive emails from and text messages from this person almost every day. That's what the relationship is now. But I'm here for them. I want to see them on the right track, back towards walking with Jesus. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's not. It's loving. So God, help us to confront carefully. And lastly, this one's for you. Deeply. God, help me to see when I'm the hypocrite. 
every day, probably 99.9% of you, look in the mirror when you get ready. What does it look like to wake up and stand in front of a mirror? To God, is there any way in me? Is there anything inside of me that I'm a hypocrite? And allow him to speak into you. Because here's the big thing. Hypocrisy is really hard to see in the mirror. We want to look at it and get ready for the day, whatever it is. And we see it in everyone else, but we don't see it in here. I want to close with this. Wherever you are, most condemning of others is often a reflection of where you're most vulnerable. I don't like the way they parent. That's bad. Like, I would totally do something different. You look in the mirror and you're like, oh, crud. Because I'm having a hard time with my kids. It's easier to take that focus and put it on others when they're failing. James, the brother of Jesus, says this. My brothers and sisters, insider talk. If one of you should, what friends? If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, remember this, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. There's hypocrites everywhere. But it's going to start with you in the mirror. God, chisel it out. And help me when I do see a brother or sister in Christ walking in sin, the heart to restore, to make them whole again, carefully and humbly, not judging them, not to, not to sit there and correct them, but to bring them and guide them to your path. Hashtag difficult people. They're everywhere. But may we as followers of Jesus be this last statement. Be a voice of restoration. Be the voice of God in their life. The God to use you to get them back on the path. So Heavenly Father, would you help us before we put fingers, point fingers at people, before all that, God, would you, would you help us see the hypocrisy in our own hearts, first and foremost, above everything? May we see it first in us. And that if there are other people that are not, we're not talking about those outside, but if they're true brothers and sisters in Christ that we love, God, help us, help us to restore them. Use us. May we be filled with your spirit to guide them back towards the path of walking with you. Still eyes closed. I think there's some of us in this room that we just need to get right with God now because we know we've gone astray and now's the time that the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart. Now come, come, it's time for surrender. It's time for surrender. It's time for surrender. I just want you to repeat this prayer in your heart, in your mind, silently. Just repeat these words after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm tired of doing life alone. 
I want joy back in my life. I want more of you. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross for me that bore all my sin on the cross as he bled for me. I believe he rose again three days later, defeated death, and is now seated at your right hand, God. And so I put my faith and trust into you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Surrender, I surrender my life to you. Have your way in me and make me whole. With all eyes closed, if that was you this morning, one of the things we do at Radiant Life is we truly believe in outward expression of an inward change. I, I can't tell you what it does. But on the count of three, I'm not gonna make you do anything weird. Just shoot your hand up and shoot your hand right back down. That's all we wanna do, because we're told there are angels rejoicing in heaven right now over you. And we wanna to party too. We wanna to be a reflection of heaven on earth. So just shoot it up on the count of three. One, God loves you so much. Two, you are made new this morning. Three, if that's you, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. You can shoot him right back down, praise Jesus. God, you are so good. And we know that if there's a party in heaven, God, we wanna bring that here. So may we rejoice and may we celebrate that there are lives changed forever because of you. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, Come on, church, let's go. Amen.